Lacka, everybody. Welcome back for this week's episode with me, Nick, and my buddy, Ronnie. Bit of a blue week, you know, international rugby's done for the year. But at least we can smile because support for this episode is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trusted Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code PUNTED20 at manscaped.com. If my maths is correct, that's about 12 million balls. Yeah, I doubt your maths is correct, but I'm not going to argue on this one. You know, Ronnie, we're going to have to sit down one night, put pen to paper and, and do an accurate calculation uh, on, on the statistic for them. But that aside, we're talking about balls. Did you play any golf this weekend? I didn't play any golf this weekend. I just decided that I needed to focus on spending my time on the rugby. That's the last weekend of international rugby. So I spent all my time watching the two games that there were and then getting back into the single things with the URC. It's something that I've definitely not been spending enough time over the last couple of weeks and months. You know, URC is taking a bit of a backseat. Yeah, that's for sure. The URC sort of felt like the Curry Cup up until this point, you know, without really watching what's going on there. But like you say, straight from international, we're back into the domestic season. And not only is it the, the URC, but also Heineken Cup coming around. So I think we had... Heineken a, and the European Challenge Cup, right? And that's something that's completely new for us. We we haven't watched that yet, or not as in-depth as uh, this. This is going to. This is our year, right? We've got South African teams taking part for the first time in both the EPCC, don't even know, and the Heineken Cup as well. So that's, that's going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah, I think maybe next week we'll have to give the listeners a proper preview on the tournament, you know, some previous winners and what to expect, how it's structured and all of that. I know we did cover that a few episodes into season one, didn't we, Ronnie, when it was announced we play? Yeah, but it's, I think it's time we do a bit of a refresher course so that anybody who stands around the bry after the first Heineken Cup weekend knows what they're talking about. Yeah, And, and, and that's anyone... what we do here, right? We are experts at making people believe that we know what we're talking about around the bry. Exactly. It's a skill, South African skill that we're looking to transfer to everybody. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we had a lucky weekend on Saturday. We watched the Bok game. We had a, like a T-bone bry before that. Can't go wrong with a good old T-bone. And then we got to watch the box hammer the English. But I think before we really dig into the flesh of that, maybe we should start with what the Wallabies did to the Welsh. 39-34 victory in Cardiff. Exciting game, right? So high scoring. You could say high scoring from both sides, so... Yeah, I think uh, if you went there as a neutral, well, one of us, you know, we would have gone there and we would have thought, wow, this is a very exciting game. Tries, tries back and forth. Yeah, I think that was unbelievable to watch. I mean, the first Welsh try, I don't know if you saw that, Alamund Jones looked like a basketball player. Standing there, everyone's holding him, he just pops the ball on. And then uh, Tipperick goes in for the try. It was quite a, quite a good try. In, in all honesty, every time I see Alamund Jones, I'm just in awe of the fact that he's still playing rugby. Yeah, it's it's actually unbelievable. And if he keeps it up, maybe Evan won't be able to break the record that he set because he just keeps going. But he just also, keeps going. Great to see a return for Gareth Anscombe. He's back from his second ACL injury. I mean, it's bad enough getting one, but getting two on the same leg, well done to him for making it back. And crucial setup for Balatar's try as well, as well as Louis Rees-Amit. So good contribution from him at 10. What what did the Welsh do in this game? They started off showing great attacking enterprise, leading 34-13 at one point. I mean, the Aussies started the second half having two yellow cards. Wales scored a big mall try. And then after that, 
just imploded just on went themselves. to sleep yeah no they just went to sleep and and i was trying to figure out uh, leading into the weekend obviously for my super group picks what do we do and i and you know my number one rule is always you know when in doubt back the home team in this case i said to myself when in doubt you know my other number one rule was uh when in doubt back the southern hemisphere powerhouse and i did that and was nice to see the Wallabies step up to the plate. You know, they were asleep for portions of the game, but they finished very strong. So I was very proud of of the Wallabies and, and my Southern Hemisphere compatriots. Yeah, I think well done to the Wallabies for making a comeback like that. But I also think something like that can be a bit dangerous. You know, they'll they'll take it as ending their year on a high. But the Wallabies certainly have a lot of work to do. I've got some statistics on this for a little bit later. The Wallabies serious trouble for next year. They might not be able to exit that World Cup pool of theirs. Do you think, would you would you say it's fair to say that the Wallabies are the Natal Sharks of international teams? You're always in the middle, hey? <laughs> Maybe even worse than that, because the Wallabies are having quite a shock. Out. Well, sounds like the Sharks, right? Uh, that is definitely true. So then, Ronnie, just a quick thing. You know, there's talk now of scrapping the ghetto law for the Wallabies in a World Cup year. For those that don't know, the ghetto law says that they can select players that have more than 50 test caps and I think more than three years super rugby. Those players become eligible. That's where you've seen the likes of Quade Cooper come in from Japan, Will Skelton from France. Yeah, look, the reality is uh, it's, it's, it's possibly not just South Africa that's struggling to retain their players on home soil. It's, it's now... It's now the Australians as well, possibly even the Kiwis. Now, <laughs> their currencies are a little bit stronger, their economies are a little bit stronger, so they can pay their players a bit more. But still, we're seeing players going over to Europe where they're earning big bucks, and they're earning big bucks even in comparison to their, to what they're being paid in, in New Zealand and Australia. Now, Australia, it's, it's not one of their top five sports, right? Or maybe it is the top five sport, rugby. You know, but they've got Aussie rules that they and cricket and they put a lot of emphasis on, on, on that. But this is possibly what they they have to take a page out of our book as well and start selecting overseas based players and dropping these these regulate regulations that they have in place to yeah, you know, just prevent a mass exodus of players. Because look, it's it's the world's become smaller, it's a global sport. South Africans are plying their trade all over the world and I and I've seen the Aussies and and Kiwis will follow as well, and, and a lot of them already are. So, if you want the best, if you want the best uh, international team, you're going to have to allow. You're going to have to make it so that you can choose from anywhere. It's what all the soccer teams are doing. You know, we don't want to mention soccer or football. It's a, it's a bad no-no on this podcast. But the reality is, it's it's a professional era. You need to be choosing anyone and everyone. Yeah, I think it's a balancing act that needs to be struck there between keeping your domestic competition strong and obviously winning in the international stage. I I, I would scrap it as well. I'm I'm in favor of you there, Ronnie. We saw the harm that it did to the Springboks and to the Aussies. So I think that's like you say, professional sports. It should should go away. Big one for the weekend, Ronnie. Box 27, 13, England. Lackamana. It's always nice to go and beat uh, the English. No matter who you are. It absolutely is. And I think everyone enjoyed us beating the English too. It was very, it was a convincing win as well. Like you can't say it came down to one or two calls. I know one or two calls have been highlighted. They say, oh, it's a questionable try. But we beat them convincingly. We beat them by 14 points. And, and you know, who we actually did a lot better than that. They got a couple of points there at the end of the game, which I think uh, we, we let slip a little bit. It was an out-and-out dominant Springbok performance. Even after losing uh, old Thomas the Tank and having to bring 
Francois Elbaan, who ultimately played 76 minutes. I mean, that's that's oh, that's tough work. Yeah, well, like you say, I mean, the English scored points late on there. Their first try came when we were down a man, thanks to that red card from Thomas. Like you say, a comprehensive victory. Two tries, clear result here. And I mean, what a performance from Kirkley Orange, sir. Yeah, absolutely. He's definitely put his hands up. And it's causing me a bit of discomfort because I'm a big Jason Colby fan. And I don't necessarily see... Uh, Kirtley Orenser taking or usurping Mapimpi on the left wing. I think he's more of a right wing, um, although I am a forward, so I don't really know the differences between my left and right. But I don't see him usurping uh, Chess and Colby, and I'm a big fan of Chess and Colby. Yeah, I disagree with you. I think he's usurping someone, but I think he's taking Mapimpi out of this team. I think it's going to be Cheslin, Kirtley, and, and Philly running that back three next year based on what we saw. And I mean, ultimately, seven tries. In seven tests. What a debut season. That's that's normally the kind of thing we see from a New Zealand winger like Julian Sevilla, Caleb Clark, Rika Ioani. I suppose you're right. It's the kind of thing you see from a New Zealand uh, winger before he hangs up his boots to yeah. never play for the All Blacks again. <laughs> that's yeah, true. They eh? also bring in their, they bring the guys in for 10, 15 tests and then release them. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Protecting Dougie Howlett's uh, try record there in, in New Zealand. You know, Franz Malherber deserves a shout-out. Like you say, 76 minutes from the big man in the last game of the season. That was a big push. And he showed us how to mako a taco. Bolded Makovuna Polo. It's impressive because I've seen a bunch of angles on social media now and read it to a bunch of pages. He really buckled. Uh, he really, really buckled him. So that was an amazing performance from France. And it just goes to show, I mean, good prop. Yeah, you're going to get far with a good prop in your team. That's for sure. And he's, I mean, he's a mainstay of that Bok pack now. Playing every test this year has been truly, truly impressive. Franco Mostad actually getting man of the match in this fixture. I thought it would have gone to Surprising, Arantza. though. Definitely I surprised. also thought it would have, uh, I thought it would have gone to Kirtley as well. And yeah, I, I was I was a little bit shocked when I saw that uh, Mostad got it. Not that he had a bad game or anything. I just felt that, you know, Kirtley and some of those background players really showed their worth. But well done to Franco. I, I, I am a big fan of Sos. doesn't matter where you play him. I'm happy as long as he's on the field. So. Yeah, he definitely had a big contribution. I think a lot of his praise also comes from the work he got it done in the English line art. That was quite impressive. Um, and I mean, Kirtley Arantz's defense as well. There was that chase down tackle. He cut them down and saved a certain try there. So he had a massive performance. I thought Damien Willems also played well. Again, I must emphasize I don't rate him as a 10. But two drop goals, quite telling. And he became the 10th player in Bok history to slot more than one drop goal in a match. Right, so that shows you a bit of confidence, though. So maybe they took the kicking responsibility away from him and he got he managed to to spend a bit more time focusing on passing the ball and marshalling the back line rather than you know, place kicks. And then with that, his confidence grew a bit to the point where he just went instinctively for a drop goal on two occasions. And that's nice to see. Keeps the opposition on their toes. Yeah, well, he certainly smashed that first one over. It was like a missile. It was so straight and right through the center. So well done to Damien. Also, Marnie Lubbock, again for me, made an impressive contribution when he came on, spreading the ball quite well. It just seems like it really gets the backline moving when you've got a good passing 10. So hopefully Pollard can find his form and we can get that out of him next year as well. Who else? True Johnny? words haven't been spoken, right? You need a, you need a proper 10. You need a, a, a specialist fly-off to play fly-half. I think in other positions in, in, in the back line, you can, you can play an inside centered outside or a center at wing or a wing at fullback. 
But when it comes to your fullback, that is a that is a crucial, crucial position for for any team. And if you're going to play ten man rugby, you better make sure that all ten of those men play exceptionally well and do their and, and tick all the boxes for their specific, specific roles. I mean, if you're not going to play 10-man rugby, you're going to play some running back line, you still need a proper 10. So whichever way you, you, you slice and dice it, you need a proper fly-off. And you saw that now with a little bit of Lubbock magic, right? So Lubbock comes onto the field, brings some stability, but also able to to rely on his experience as a 10 to make those crucial passes. And I know you 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 have been fantasizing about Marty Lubbock's passing for a number of weeks now. And uh, it's nice to see that, right? No, definitely nice to see that he he definitely I think took his opportunity and I think that's that's the difference you know you might get an opportunity now you might get it later but I really feel like Marnie when given that jersey stepped up he took it it's not a player that came in and then we're like yeah indifferent about him I really think he made a statement ahead of the World Cup even with just having brief cameos in the show absolutely Fuff in his glorious ways again this weekend diving over malls, kung fu fighting everywhere, that flip up after being tossed from the ruck and then the little hair flick. <laughs> Always a good laugh when he's on the field and he seems to rediscover himself a bit as well this year. Exactly. We hope that continues though, um, you know, because he's he's been up and down and hot and cold over the last couple of months. We just want him to, to get back into being our first choice nine. And if he's not our first choice nine, at least just you know, being being there behind Jaden Hendricks or whoever's going to be our first choice uh, scrummy. But it was good to see a little bit of confidence, a little bit of shithousery from him when he got when he had to do his little backflip roll. You know, a little bit of a sarcastic, uh, condescending clap there at the end uh, when the penalty was reversed. But uh, I just I also have to commend. I suppose if we're on that, while we're talking about that, that was bloody well done by the referee to reverse. Uh, a call like that to you wasn't taking any crap and uh, if you were going to cause crap he didn't for a moment hesitate and reverse that penalty and that's nice to see yeah I must just not let you brush over the fact that you managed to drop your favourite Katy Perry song in there hey Ronnie hot and cold so trying to tell the listeners something or was it Avril Lavigne that you you were quite into this year everyone my age is into Avril Lavigne (laughs) well you're giving away your age now that's for sure so Ronnie just a look then at the top three box. Who are your top three Springboks after this season? So uh, we spoke about this. You said who's your who's your Springbok of the year, your player of the year, and we disagreed a bit about it. But I firmly believe that Oxen Chair is one of my favorite players at the moment. You know, with Beast leaving, it was left a bit of a hole, and I was a little bit sad. But I feel like Ox is going to step up. Ox is going to be the new Beast, and it's going to be fantastic. So I, I like I love it when Ox is running on the field, and it brings me great joy. I think second to that, I. I'm torn a little bit between Bongi and, and Malcolm Marks, though. I've always had a soft spot for Bongi. I find him, you know, coming onto the field for 50 minutes and hurting you. And only when, you, when you're so extremely tired, you bring Malcolm Marks on. So I, for me, my second my second favorite player at the moment has to be Bongi. And then obviously, uh, Franco Mostert. So these would be my three top spring box of the year that I've enjoyed watching. All I can say, Ronnie, is you can expect a lot of hate on our social media this week because my number one book has to be Jasper Visa for the pure reason of where he was ranked in the beginning of the season to where he ended up. I called him out, said he's not the man to take the eight jersey. And now I think he has to be our eight for the World Cup. So in my mind, he had the biggest shift from where he started. But you're going to get cuck for not mentioning one particular person. And that is Eben Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Okay, look. 
but we knew at the start of the season that we had at Eben, and he's just played hard Eben ever since. Like he, he, it goes without saying he's fantastic, but we can't just fill a list with Evans every time. Got to give some other players an opportunity. But yes, carry on with your. So Eben is my number two. My number three would have gone to Kirtley Aronser, but he doesn't get it because of the carding and the subsequent ban. So my number three is going to Franz Malherber, mainstay of the Bok Pack. And I think it's damn time that some front rowers get get some credit. So it's some recognition, right? So we've yeah. picked so as a as a team here, we've now picked Bungi, we've picked Ox, we've picked Franz Malherber, you've picked Eben, I've picked uh, Franco Mostert. Who was your other and Jasper Visa? Those are six forwards, so you can tell maybe, maybe a little biased, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little bit biased. And then any lowlights from the season, Ronnie? I think mine is probably that Darcy Swain tackle. I thought that was a bit dirty. Outside of that, Russie's tweets probably a bit of a downer for me on an otherwise decent tour. Otherwise, I don't have much to complain about from this test season. Yeah, I thought there were. There's not much to complain about. For me, it was a, a very evenly matched uh, or there were a lot more evenly matched tests over the season. We spoke about the fact, like, I think it was last week, that there's so much competition and so many teams can beat each other on their day. It was just nice to see some great performances from Japan, uh, from Georgia, from Argentina beating the All Blacks again, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, these are these are, these are are massive, massive tests that have transpired over the last year and it's very nice to see. So, low lights, well, it obviously hurts every time the Springboks lose. And so I could name three Springbok losses that were really hurtful. But uh, yeah, look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with that. There weren't too many lowlights. There were more highlights for me. Yeah, I'm definitely, I'm busy working on it at the moment. And like a highlights reel for, for our Instagram platform. So you guys can stay tuned there this week, later this week for that. I think it's going to show nicely, like Ronnie said, the Argentina win in New Zealand. You know, Wales getting a first win in South Africa. Italy pipping Wales for the first time, Georgia pipping Wales for the first time. There really are some great highlights from there. But now, Ronnie, we've seen all these teams play this year. A lot of, lot of international rugby went on. So I just want to get your feel a year out from the World Cup or less than a year out from the World Cup. Who's topping Pool A? There we have New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia. All right. So for me, I think it, it's it's pretty cut and paste. This is not a pool of death. Um, this one's going to be pretty simple. It's going to be between New Zealand and France. I'm going to go with New Zealand topping the pool and France coming in second. I'm also going to back New Zealand and France. I'm, however, going for New Zealand in second place. France topping the pool. Pool B, I think this is the pool of death. It's our pool, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, Romania. Who's coming out of this pool alive? Okay, so this is one of the two pools of death, I, I believe. But uh, I'm going to go with South Africa and Ireland topping it. Uh, South Africa coming off right at the top, Ireland in second. So that would line us up with uh, South Africa v France quarterfinal, unfortunately. Yeah, that's definitely true. And then, Ronnie, Pool C, we've got Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia and Portugal. I think this is quite an interesting pool as well. Yeah, this is a this is an interesting one because Fiji have become close in 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 a number of World Cups over the years, and they can push Wales. We've seen Georgia beat Wales already now the last couple of weeks. Fiji have beaten Wales, so uh, Georgia Fiji are going to be the dark horses, but it's going to be Australia Wales, and I think for this, uh, when in doubt, back the Southern Hemisphere powerhouse, so Australia to top the pool, second Wales. 
I'm going to differ from you slightly. I think Aussies are going to top the pool, but I think Fiji is going to go through with them to the quarterfinals. Wow. So you think Wales are going to get knocked out in the pool stages? I do indeed. I think they Wales is going to slip a game somewhere there to Fiji or Georgia. That's going to hurt them quite a bit. And then I think it's uh, it's also before we move on, it's also worth noting that Portugal's obviously been included into the pool recently over there. Very convincing wins over the USA, Kenya, and uh, I suppose who's the other team that knocked out Hong Kong. So there were four teams in there, and Portugal ultimately made it through. It's a very big win over the US. Oh, points difference actually got them through. But uh, Portugal, I don't see them upsetting anyone here. But yeah, let's carry on. So then the last pool is Pool D. There we have Argentina, Japan, England, Samoa, and Chile. Who's going through from that pool? So this is my other pool of death, right? This is a difficult one because, you know, you'd think that England would make it through and possibly Argentina, but Japan's performances over recent years just, you know, they for me are a dark horse that isn't so dark anymore. And this is going to be a difficult one. I'm going to say Argentina, Argentina, I'm going to say England and Japan will make it through. And that that hurts me because I want Argentina to go through. England to top the pool, Japan in second. I think I'm going to go for an Argentina-Japan one there, just to be a little controversial. Whoa. Predicting no, it this. That would be, be so <laughs> great to see. So England to knocked see. out of another another World Cup in the pool stages, hey? Honestly, that would be fantastic to see. Really, it would. But uh, I think I think Eddie Jones knows what he's doing, if, he, if he's still around by then. If he's still around by then, for sure. But I think, Ronnie, that brings us to the end of this year's coverage of the international season. So we can turn our attention back to the domestics and the URC. Just a brief look at the log for everyone like us catching up with what's going on there. Leinster in first place, I guess, as expected, and in first place quite comprehensively. Uh, The Bulls are sitting in third, Stormers in fourth, Lions in seventh, and the Sharks are in twelfth. So very difficult one there. Uh, It's round, what is this round? Seven of the URC, eight. It's round eight of the URC. So it's actually sort of a midpoint even as we stand now. There's another round of games coming up this weekend before we turn to the European Challenge and Champions Cups. So Ronnie, maybe a look at this weekend's results so far. Stormers 36-10 Scarlets. Yeah, look, Stormers obviously doing very well now for a number of seasons, back-to-back seasons. And, you know, they obviously went to the final with the Bulls. Yeah, it's good to see the Stormers maintaining their sort of dominance right over you uh, i don't know what could you say the scarlets are mid middle of the log like player so like the kind of like the sharks so yeah good to see stormers up there although i'm not a big fan of stormers slash uh, western province but well done to the south african team yeah you know i think the stormers it was quite impressive to see with so many players missing that they were still capable of putting together such a nice running game i think kate volherter sort of announced himself there he played very very well on the weekend as well as leland sus so, well done to the Stormers, still leading up the South African charge quite nicely. Ulster with a 36-15 win over Zebra. Benetton with a 24-17 win over Edinburgh. Bulls 43-26 Ospreys. That game was delayed because of that lack of thunderstorm we had here. Yes, that was a powerhouse yeah. one on Saturday. A little bit of hail here in Pretoria as well, so that was that caused a bit of a delay. But yeah, well done to the Bulls. It's again, I, I mean, I could basically copy and paste what I said about the Stormers for them. You know, they are a strong team, the Bulls, and you know they're continuing with that uh, over, you know, over a, a middle of the a middle of the log team like the Ospreys. 
Yeah, that's definitely well done to them. And also shout out to Ron Nokia, who's taken over the captaincy with Marcel Gutsia having gone to Japan. Then Leinster smashing the Warriors 45. That was a huge victory for them and obviously just helps to improve their points difference over and over again. Munster, narrow win, 24-17 over their fellow countryman, Connor. And then Lions getting an impressive win over the Dragons, 33-25 at Ellis Park. I wasn't so convinced that the Lions would take this one. We had a bit of a debate internally at the office um, when making our picks for this one. I thought that the Dragons would, you know, they 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 pipped the Lions. But you know what? So many of the Lions have been playing together. Not many of them were away uh, on uh, Springbok duty. So, <laughs> so you know, they practicing for, together. For Martin and Harry, if they, they're listening this week. Yeah, but, unfortunately, but well, well done to the Lions. Another, it's always nice to see the spring uh, South African teams win. So you know, you were saying that you weren't sure if they were going to beat the Welsh side. So then we look over to Cardiff smashing the Sharks thirty-five nil. Sharks, the first South African team to drop a game against the Welsh. Shocking, disappointing. What? What do? You, we might as well mention it. So we've we've lost our coach now. As as Sharks, we've lost our coach. Do you think he left as a result of the outcome of that game, or? Uh, was it going to be announced anyways? You know, I think that was the tipping point for sure. Neil Powell obviously stepping into the role in his absence. But we've spoken on here previously about how you can't have all these championship players and not a championship coach. And I think it was time. I, I'm not convinced Neil Powell's the man for the job either. I think we need to look for someone like John Plumtree to get him back here coaching top-level players to top-level trophies. We need to get off the middle of this table or actually, in fact, off 12th at the moment. To not score a point at home is, is abysmal. It's shocking, right? Yeah. No, it, 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 was, it was disgraceful to say there's nothing really positive that, for me, that came out of that game. The Sharks lost it and there was no one to blame but themselves. Yeah, and I think that's going to make them rush back their Springbok players into action now because they need a drastic turnaround quickly and some momentum before the Heineken Cup kicks off. A 35-0 humbling at home is is really inexcusable. Humbling is, is a good, good word because it's it's been a sore topic, something I haven't wanted to speak about really. So, Ronnie, with that all said, Super Brew is done and dusted. Where does this leave you on the log at the moment? I came in at a lack 130th. Unfortunately, I didn't crack that top 100. All right. So, look, I'm going to say you beat me in, in, in the big pool, the rugby punted pool. I came 181st for the November Internationals. It's unfortunate. But in the, in the pools where it really mattered, you know, the ones for money, I did beat you. So, that's a much smaller pool. So, you couldn't, you couldn't steal as many bonus points from me there. But, yeah, well done to you. Uh, you did beat me fair and square in that pool, in that specific pool, if we're going to. You wishing me well done almost made me choke on my, my beer over here. Okay, so what we have here as well, we've got the top five. Yeah, you know, I think in a, in a pool as big as, you know, 1,130, I think it was, the top five really know their thing. So in fifth place, we've got Darren's boy, a.k.a. Doran. Rahamim, so he he's on thirty point five zero points. In fourth place, we have Tom, aka Tom Olambi. He's also on thirty point five points. In third place, so first medal uh, would be Roy, aka Gerard van Skolvijk. You know he's on thirty one points. Then we've got Alan, aka Alan Donahue. So he is he supports Ireland and is based in the USA. So it's nice to see some international following on our page. He's on 31.75 points. And then DeBoss, a.k.a. Eben Vermark, he won the November Internationals. 
and he did so convincingly with 33 points in total. So well done to Eben Firmark, a.k.a. DeBas. Yeah, Laka, well done, Eben. That was a, a very, very deserved win from you. And then also just a shout-out to Top Notch Rugby, earning the yellow cap in the final round. Well done, guys. Unfortunately, it didn't get you to the top 100 either. It got you somewhere between me and Ronnie. And then just a new pool that we started up for the Heineken Cup. You guys can come and join us there. Come compete against everyone. Ronnie is there. I'm there. Liam and Belinda are there. So come and join us. And the pool code for that is WormGel. W-O-R-M-J-E-L-L. So that'll be a lacquer one, J-E-L-L. Can you use that in a sentence? You might as well use that in a sentence. It's a good word. I went fishing yesterday with Linzer and I got some worm gel on my hands. <laughs> That's terrible. That is terrible. Okay, I should cut that. Ronnie, do you have any two cents for us today? Two cents. Uh, I suppose it's a little bit difficult. There's a, I wanted to complain, I think, uh, about Rassi. I wanted to bring up the Rassi topic again, but I won't because he is apparently a, or a, a releasing a video tomorrow night, so that would be the 30th of November. So we'll keep our eyes open for that. There's been some comms from uh, World Rugby and all of that, so we'll probably speak about that next week. I suppose this week, we'll, we'll keep it short. My two cents is that it's been a fairly good international season. We've spoken about it. There's been some very, very exciting test matches that have played. And for people that haven't been watching rugby over the years, it's a good time to get into it. It's a good time to, to pick a team if you, have, if you haven't got one, if you want to be an all-black, if you want to be a South African, you want to back uh, England or whoever it is. It's a good time to get involved in rugby um, and it's it's nice for the growth of the game. There's obviously lots of different competitions to to watch and get involved in, but in the lead up to the World Cup, I think rugby is in a very, very, very good place. So I'll leave it at that, but uh, next week's two cents will might be a little bit more controversial with whatever comes out of Rassi's mouth in the next week. Yeah, just to clarify, that thing that Rassi shared on Twitter is actually a meeting he has scheduled with World Rugby for tomorrow night. It's not a video that he's releasing. But I'm sure there will be some commentary post that meeting. And then Saturday, just some quick stats from the England versus SA game. South Africa got 26 kicks to England's 14. We had 52% possession to their 48. 53% uh, territory to their 47. And we made 108 tackles to England's 81. So tackles do win matches, Ronnie. That's my number one rule, right? So tackles win matches. Win matches. And then lastly, the... Win percentage of the top 10 in World Rugby now makes for an interesting read. So France, 100% win record this year. Ireland, 82%. South Africa and New Zealand both end the year with a 62% win record. Then you've got Italy with a 50%. Argentina with a 52%. Wow. Also England, 42%. Then we look at Australia and Scotland, both with 36% win rates. Japan with a 29% win rate, and Wales a lowly 25% win rate, a quarter of their games. So, bit of a, a shocker from some of the sides there, especially after Wales pushed us so close in the, the July internationals. You wouldn't expect them Especially to after Wales were ranked at top one, top two, not so long ago. I mean, a year or two back. So, that's a bit of a fall from grace. And unfortunate for Japan, though, we keep maintaining that they play really well. And I don't think that win record is uh, reflective of, of how strong they are as a team and where they've come from. They've obviously had to play the likes of France as a tour in the mid years. And yeah, I'm well done to Italy. I mean, that was at a 50% record. Did you say 50%? For 50%, yeah. So well done to the Italians. Well done. Lacquer, guys. Thanks for tuning in this week. Um, we'll catch you back here next week, Wednesday, with all your URC action. 
and we'll bring you a bit of an update on the Heineken Cup and Challenge Cup. Mm-hmm.